everyone hope you're enjoying your sunday morning for the sunday betfair edge and even though the men's afl and the nrl seasons are over it doesn't mean there's a lack of sport there's plenty going on bathurst day today of course and it's a big week in motorsport in general not only with that but also overseas oscar piastri gaining success in the f1 and few Aussies dominating overseas as well. Ange Postacoglu has taken Tottenham to the top of the English Premier League ladder, at least for the moment. Betfair is on your side this spring. Chances are you're about to lose. Speaking of the spring, spring carnival certainly continuing to increase in stature with a Turnbull Stakes run yesterday. Joining myself, Damien Watson, in the studio is the Baron of Betfair, Tommy Haylock, who... I imagine had a big day at Flemington yesterday. How are you, Tommy? Good evening. Yes, uh, hello to all the listeners out there. Great day at Flemington. Great crowd as well, Damo, considering the weather. It was uh, a little bit chilly, a little bit breezy, but 15,000 at Flemington yesterday. Yes. Great crowds, great racing. We uh, talk all things racing and sport in the next hour, mate, and I'm looking forward to doing that with you. I was just thinking my estimate coming in before the Turnbull was thinking maybe it would get 10,000, but 15,000, I think it's a pretty good result. And off the back of the Moyer the night before the grand final where they had a big crowd at the Valley, it seems like the enthusiasm for racing is certainly there in Melbourne. Yes, yes, that's true. I I, I was there a fortnight ago at Flemington as well and perfect weather and I thought the crowd would be probably a bit down on that, but it was bigger. So yeah. considering the weather, I think they'll be very happy with that. We saw Gold Trip dominate. Yes. What, a, what a win in the Group 1 Turnbull Stakes yesterday. That was outstanding performance. A couple of... Highly talked about internationals. We had West Wind Blows. We can talk about that uh, for Jamie Spencer. That was a, a really strong run on a, a big speed. Romantic Warrior. All talk about him throughout the week. And it was a bit plain. Um, looking forward to send your messages in, Damo, and your lay-bins in. Um, yes. Plenty coming up. We can talk all things racing and sport, mate. What's the number for the lay-bin? 0499 If you want to text in, nominate... Something for the lay-bin. I've got a few nominations, actually. Talk about how your day went yesterday on the punts. All thanks to Betfair. Any questions? What we thought of Romantic Warriors? Send your messages in. Look forward to chatting in the next hour. Now, we were talking off-air about the World Tote Pool, and Gold Trip was at a pretty decent price if you want to value. There were a few little fluctuations there. How did Gold Trip fare on the market in the lead-up? Great question, because... Um, all things Romantic Warrior. The Romantic Warrior, we thought, and I suspected this would be the case with the World Global Tote Pool. So basically that means that the totes are combined around the world. So we had a huge Hong Kong influence. Massive in the Hong pools. Kong. I, they, they delve into the market significantly, don't they? It's amazing the amount of money involved there. Yeah, correct. The, the pools were astronomical yesterday because of that. Interesting to know it is a slightly higher takeout rate, so a higher market percentage demo, which is... Yep. A lot of punters wouldn't know. They're, they're betting. I don't know the exact numbers. I think that's 2 or 3% more takeout in the tote pools than normally with these global tote pools. But what we saw is the significant amount of money come from a romantic warrior on the tote and how it affected it. It's got nothing really to do with Betfair, but how it affected the, the tote pools and the fixed price market. So Gold Trip was around $17 at your corporate's demo. Yeah. Paid $30 on the tote because of oh. so much money 
for uh, Romantic Warrior on the tote. I think Romantic Warrior was $1.50 at various stages mm. on the tote, which is unbelievable. I was going to ask you about Gold Trip's performance. It was fantastic. A big run down the outside, and it was hands and heels over the line as well. One with plenty of conviction, so you'd wonder why it wasn't shorter on the market in hindsight. Yeah, well, paid $25.42 um, on Betfair. So a really competitive price, especially when you're betting and you're comparing to, to top uh, fixed odds. Mm. Uh, $25.42. The, the race was put on a platter for Gold Trip a little bit. The rain throughout the week helped him. There's a lot of speed early. There was a mid-race slowdown, but his feet are right. Gold trip. Kieran Maher, David Eustace, I'm, I'm convinced that they think this horse is going better than he was last year and as well as ever. And the wind says as much. It was a brilliant ride by Zara and he was confident through the line. Uh, I love the run of West Wind Blows. Yeah, a lot of talk about West Wind Blows coming in off the back of the form in Europe. I, they need to take the jockey off. Um, he's in the lay-bin. His record, Spencer. His record in, the, in Australia isn't great. And again... It wasn't his best ride. They'd take that again. He, I, I don't mind him going wide when the slowdown happened, but he was just he just did too much work on the top on top of a, a really strong tempo there. West Wind blows and to kick on and run second, I think he's right on song for a, what shaping up to be an unbelievable Caulfield Cup. Solcom really good along the inside. Romantic Warrior. Everyone's saying how much improvement will come from this run. Um, I thought he was a little bit plain to the eye of. Um, Obviously, James McDonald and the trainers aren't too concerned, but I think they would have been hoping for a bit better finish. Yeah. I think his class took him a long way. He will take huge benefit from that run, but it makes the Cox Plate demo a really, really interesting Cox Plate. Now, if he came out one by two or three, we might have lost Amelia's jaw to Sydney mm. uh, and Romantic Warrior might have started a dollar eighty. So it's probably better for the Cox Plate that uh, Romantic Warrior ran fourth there. Luna Flair was really good. Duke DeSessa was really good from the tail at a long price. Francesco Francesco Gardi's a, a stayer who's on his um, way to the Cups, and so is Spanish Mission. They improved and ran well as well. So it was a really good race, but uh, it's hard to see any of those turning the tables on Gold Trip. Yeah, exactly right. So, well, continuing on the form from last year. What did you make of the Edward Manifold? Because Zardozzi winning for Godolphin. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on how Godolphin are going to go this spring because yeah. <laughs> we know about the resources they have. They're unbelievable stable. I do like Godolphin first and second up in early campaigns. It's when they get deeper into their campaigns later and they've had a couple of runs in Sydney, then bring them to Melbourne, it's a little bit um, questionable. But Zardozzi yeah. was fantastic. They had Tamerlane, which was one of my better bets on the day. He got absolutely smashed in betting demo as well. Yeah. Uh, started even money best tote. Um, Damien Lane is a tip for you. Yeah. Never take him on. He's the best jockey in Australia at the moment. He's riding as well as anyone. He's got most jockeys in Melbourne covered clearly at the moment. And yeah, um, yeah he's riding superbly. He was fantastic on Tamerlane. He just did enough early to – everyone thought that Tamerlane would lead and lead softly, but he did enough early to scare any challenges off. Yeah. So he put the pressure on and no one wanted to take him on for the lead there because he's he probably dictated to them. Uh, great win by Tamerlane. Star Patrol, outstanding performance by this sprinter who continues to um, love it down the straight. Star Patrol, a lot of people were cheering him home. Future history, won the Bart Cummings. He's in the Cups now. David uh, Kiramar, David Eustace have done it again. Uh, yep. Outstanding performance by Future History. Um, I don't know if they'll be competitive in a Melbourne Cup, but it looks a strong cup this year, Damo. So it was first immortal. Well, it was started as favourites, and naturally you do question why it didn't win. But at the same time, it wasn't too far away. No, it was just uh, a good Craig Williams ride. Um, Three quarters of a length. Yeah, it was a good race. Um, first immortal just probably peaked late, and Future History was a bit stronger on the line. 
The race that we wanted to talk about is the Danehill, Stretton Angel. Yes. Philly beating I'm Unstoppable. Don Corleone cigar flick. Archer Nacho was disappointing uh, there. Libertad, don't know where uh, Libertad's at at the moment. It was a bit of a bunch finish third to third to eighth, really. Yeah. Um, the Philly Stretton Angel was fantastic. Again, Damien Lane. A lot of people, I took Stretton Angel on. Um, I laid Stretton Angel, unfortunately. And Damien Lane, I won't do that again. He just, <laughs> he's done this time and time again of late. The horses that have mapped back, he's ended up on speed. Yeah. And just gets the horse traveling so well for them up on speed. He, he dictates and controls and has a great understanding of tempo. So he's put Stratton Angel into the race, and that's been the difference. All right. Zero four double nine seven three six seven three six. Just briefly, I want to talk to you about the fashion stakes outside of the racing. Uh, any new trends there? I, I, the one that I used to hate was the sockless type <laughs> format. Like, it, it's just not practical, I would have thought, you're putting, Tommy. You're putting the sockless or the ankle socks in the lay bin, In the lay bin. Well, surely it's run its race now, isn't it? Yeah, there's not much of that going around. It's a bit cold for that too, Dave. Yeah, I, know. So I was going to say, you wouldn't be doing that yesterday. Wait till the weather warms up and I'll report back on that. But it's an early lay in from you. We've got a message in from Cow um, asking why I'm not doing any shows with Gareth. Uh, I'll take that up with Gareth, mate. Um, it's mainly because I went on holidays, I think. You know, I lost my spot on the... Been returned to the bench, so I got dropped while I was away for four and a half weeks. And you're stuck um, with me instead. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's fine. Um, used to do shows with Gareth on Monday morning, but um, yeah, we might we might get a spot back. Who knows? Nah, look, you enjoy the Sunday mornings. I reckon I it's a nice do, vibe on a Sunday. I can't do too much. I love working with you for this hour, mate. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of the weather, I think a lot of cricketers out there, local cricketers, would be happy because traditionally, at least in Melbourne, where we're situated. The first Saturday of the season, or the summer, is often dominated by rain, and you don't actually get any play. For once, we actually had a free summer where, uh, basically a free Saturday for the first Saturday of the summer, where it was devoid of rain. Well, last spring, I think it rained every weekend for a long time. Cup week was very wet. I I, um, play in a competition, and I think I was half-assed last year, but I I think they played one game before Christmas last year. Due to weather? One game? Yep. No, it was more than that, wasn't it? No, this oh, this was not district, but it was oh, a okay, turf right. competition. And, yeah. yeah, I think they, they struggled to get on. So, um, yeah, it's it's good for the cricket. We've got the World Cup on at the moment. Yes, I? and we will be joined, hopefully, by Bryce McGain a little bit later in the program to discuss not only the World Cup, but the Sheffield Shield as well. Victoria getting smashed by WA, which isn't an overly big surprise, given WA, WA are in are fantastic ridiculous. form. Yeah, Absolutely in a good ridiculous. way. But tonight, India, Australia. Yes. I can't wait for that coming up. India, $1.67 at Betfair, Australia, $2.48. We've seen some interesting results. We'll chat to Bryce about South Africa. Put uh, put on 400-odd. Three, yes. three century makers overnight. What a performance by them. And England went down in the first uh, ODI to New Zealand. Got hammered. So, um, yeah, it's all happening. Don't normally associate success with South Africa in an ODI World Cup, at least later <laughs> in the piece. Yes. Oh, I could I could reel off all their defeats going back in history where they that were arguably should have won. That was one of the best matches in the history of cricket. Yeah. Um, what a match that was. That's right. And you go back to when they were beaten by the Duckworth-Lewis system in 2003, their home World Cup. 1992, the famous. Have you ever seen the photograph of the SCG scoreboard where it says 22 runs required off one delivery? In the no, semi final against England. One of the more that. iconic cricketing <laughs> images of all time. And yeah, I shouldn't bag the South Africans too much because we need them to be very competitive. You can find better odds on the Cricket World Cup at Betfair. Chances are you're about to lose. We'll take a break, Tommy. 
Nominations for the lay-bin. That's coming up shortly. 0499 736 736. What do you want to put in the lay-bin for your Sunday morning? You're listening in to the Betfair Edge. That means it's time for the lay-bid segment. Text in what you want to nominate for the lay-bid. It could be sport. It could be any facet of society. Well, most anyway. 0499736736. You're listening to the Sunday Betfair Edge. Five better odds on the Cricket World Cup at Betfair. Chances are you're about to lose. Tony, your first nomination. Ooh, plenty happening in the lay-bid. Obviously, uh, lay-bidding, you can do that on Betfair. And I'll tell you what, uh, just a little... Mentioned it's probably been overdone done now, but Aaron Norton, eight years. Eight yeah. year contracts. Long contracts like eight years. That's in the lay bin. Come on. Yeah, I'm with you there, Tommy, because you never know what's going to happen down the track. You'd have to be pretty confident in your player. And you never know, even if you are confident, what's going to happen. He hasn't really done much. And for once, I know, probably put this in the lay bin, that the fact that I'm agreeing with Kane Corns here, that's in the lay bin. Um, nah, sometimes you can agree with people that you don't normally <laughs> agree with. No, I, I've got a lot of time for Kane. This year, yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, I agree. He hasn't kicked enough goals. He needs to step up. And they've given him an eight-year contract on the back of a pretty average year, a lot, a lot of people are saying. So I can't cop that. Um do you want to go? I've got, I've got a few more. Yeah, yeah. The Indian cricketing public for not turning up to the opening match of the ODI World Cup. Now, I know India weren't involved, Tommy, mm. but, you know, it's the most populous nation in the world. It's overtaken China for the most populous nation in the world in regards to the actual population yes. number. They love their cricket. Why don't they go and watch, even if it's a neutral game, there was barely anyone in the stands. Spot the spectator. Well, that whole concept of the two teams that played off in last year, last World Cup in playing in the first game, is that's in the lay-bin. The fact that England and New Zealand are, yeah. play India in the first game, build Should momentum. be the host nation that hosts uh, it. Hard, yeah. Whoever came up with that idea, get in the lay-bin. That's not good enough. Yeah, there but was at, about 12 people at that match. But at the same time, I mean, we had how many neutral games. I know T20 format's a bit different, but mm. how many neutral games in Australia for the T20 World Cup last year were well patronised? Over 85,000 people, in some cases over 90,000 people at the MCG for games that weren't even close to the final and didn't involve Australia. Yep. I agree. Oh, the crowd was very poor. It's you disappointing. Know, you've got to show, if you want to be the host nation, the public have got to get behind a lot of the matches. That stadium, I think, holds 120,000 or something ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, I just got a text message fresh in off the press, Damo. Oh. This is fresh. Fresh labor material news. here. Breaking news from a colleague. I had a dream you got fired last night. That's in the labor. Me or you? Me. Oh, okay. That's that's in the labor. Can't can't be sending I don't even remember half of my dreams, no, I never to be honest with dreams, you. But yeah, apparently I'm getting fired. So, oh, it could be a premonition. You'd rather be a dream than a premonition. <laughs> could, be the, could be the last labian ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, wonder it, what he's going to do this. Yeah, week. I know. I, I wonder what's coming up. Uh, it must be spring, Domo, because this is a big labian. When mm. trainers, owners start jumping on the media and telling people to water tracks, to not handicap our horses too high. You know it's spring. Get in the lay bin. Just let the people do their job. Speaking of the media, one for the lay bin. Now, it was a little bit cringy, I must say, but still, the criticism directed towards the journalists last night at Ange Postacoglu's press conference. I haven't heard uh, this. So what happened was 
So Henry Winkler gave a nice little message to Ange Postacoglu during the week, you know, a message of support, etc. And after the Spurs v Lutontown game, one of the journos comes up and says, oh, I noticed Henry Winkler, the Fonz, gave you a bit of praise during the week. And he actually played the Happy Days Phoebe song on his dictaphone or his recorder or his phone or something. And, uh, you know, Ange is like, oh, seriously, do I have to put up with this? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think... It provides a little bit of a different slant of levity in a press conference, which we wouldn't get here in Australia. They're different over there in the UK. But I just think the criticism criticism is a bit harsh. That's my view anyway. That's fair. He's doing some good things, Ange. Um, you'd be probably do this, Damo, and I've been guilty. Probably everyone's been guilty of this, but this is one for the lay bin. Splitting bills at cafes. Now, when it's cafes are worse than pubs and hotels and restaurants because mm. often people try to get takeaway. But group of four or five girls getting the bill, working out what they had for breakfast, trying to split it when there's people in line, and then they go up one by one working out what they had, and then they try and split it. Just someone fix it up. There's a little thing called online banking these days, Damo. Yeah. You can work it out after. What is walk this online out of the cafe, walk, walk out of the cafe, and you can transfer money. It's as simple as that. You don't need to hold up everyone else talking about what you had for breakfast and how you're going to split the bill. I still fill out the check on the odd occasion and send a few faxes. <laughs> you would. You're an old soul, Damo. I, I am. I need to get up to date. Mind you, I can operate this panel, which I'm proud of, You've, but <laughs> normally I'm terrible with the technology. You'd be a bill splitter too. Uh, yeah, well, you know, some people <laughs> want to go a bit overboard when you offer to shout. Uh, you remember that for next time as a frugal person. Um, the other thing for me, we had the... They had some ridiculous prize money in Sydney racing yes. yesterday. $2 million hill stakes. Yep. The Battle of the States, just to keep 2,000-metre horses in Sydney. It was made for Wicks. They tried to keep Winks in Sydney instead of going to the Turnbull. Get in the lay bin. That is the worst $2 million race you've ever seen. And the poor old punters who fund this, they've, they've got to send a thank you to the punters. What about the participants as well? Yeah. Well, Do the participants, like, I know they're racing for big prize money, but at the same time. How good are the jockeys going? Doesn't hmm. they, they ride on Everest. They get 5%, plus they get riding for, plus prize money. Hmm. It's... Utterly ridiculous. So $2 million races. We had a $1.5 million Alan Brown. Cepheus won a group two worth 300000 last start and comes in and wins a $1.5 million Alan Brown stakes against the same field. It's just ridiculous amounts of money that are funded by the punters, mate. Montefilli, of course, winning that Hill stakes. There what are far win. too many group one races in general, aren't there? Yes. It's Why, been, it's you, lose, the you lose the novelty and the significance to a certain extent when there's a proliferation of Group 1 races. I'd like to see about 20, not 100. Yeah. I don't even know how many there are. 80. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, there's too many. So that many. can go in the lay bid. Too many Group 1 races. Yes. Montefilia in on the backboard. That's a Group the... 2 race, the hill, but I'm just saying in general. Yes, yeah. agreed. Nash Rawilla, he's on the backboard. Um, big, fella, big fella has put in the Penrith Panthers for coming back from nowhere and doing Lazarus um, with a lot of people on at the hundreds, obviously. Yeah, so what happened? That, that affected the fair market, the NRL grand final. There would have been a lot of fluctuation during the game itself. Yes. So um, amazingly, uh, Panthers got out to $34 with the Broncos a two. During last Sunday nights. Was that after the third try in a row that the Broncos scored? Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. How do you come back from a dollar oh two and you look gone, but uh, well done to Panthers. Outstanding premiership, mate. Would have been one of the better AFL slash NRL grand final doubles in one weekend that we've had over the journey because sometimes you have a good AFL one and then a terrible one-sided NRL grand final or vice versa. 
two, uh, of the, two of the great games. Yeah, I think so. Well, it all goes well going forward. There's no doubt about that. Zero four double nine seven three six seven three six. Nominate what do you want to place in the lay bin? What about the? You mentioned the Everest before. What about the build up this week? I mean, even uh, David Taggart said and he's pretty staunchly Victorian. Said that you can't escape the Everest at the moment. You can't escape it. It's a great race, and um, New South Racing New South Wales have done. A few bad things, um, but they've done some very good things as well. The Everest is one of those. Uh, we just complained about the prize money. The Everest is a great race. I don't think it needs to be a $20 million race. I think 15 was fine, but uh, that's okay. Uh, what a race it's shaping up to be. We've lost, obviously, gig kicks out. Amelia's Jewel's not going to go there. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Imperatriz, Imperatriz um, isn't yeah. going there. Uh, but it's shaping up to be a fantastic race. Have you got a tip in it, Domo? Do you follow it closely? Oh, I'm going to have a look at the market. I always wait until late for the market fluctuation. So I'm someone who's influenced heavily by the market with my selections. So I, I'll wait and see. I can make a case for so many runners. Right now, um, I would have I Wish I Win on top, Private Eye close. I can make a case for um, a couple of others. But I Wish I Win from uh, Private Eye, probably the, the two there that I would yeah, lean Private Eye was in my head as probably the main chance. But it will depend on the market fluctuation for me. Overpass is fascinating because only speed in the race. So probably represents a bit of value there. Rolls forward, runs at a good tempo. There's actually no speed in that race outside of Overpass. So mm. uh, I'm glad Overpass is in the race and can control things. We saw Redzel win a couple of Everest yes. up on speed and, and probably going at a really moderate tempo for a class of race like and that. And wasn't that with stark contrasting tracks? Because we had a really wet one. We did. Where Redzel won. And then I think from memory there was a dry one as well. Yes, correct. So... Um, I'll just get the weather forecast up for the week as well in Sydney, but um, great day of racing. I hope it's not raining there as well. <laughs> no, it's not by the look of it. Um, and obviously, Corfu Guineas. What a race that's going to be as well in, yes. in Melbourne. Well, we're coming up to the, can you believe this, almost the 25th anniversary next year. The greatest Caulfield Guineas ever run was between Reduce Choice and Testarossa. You remember that, don't you, in 99? One of the great no, battles I, I down the, the race. Straight. I don't well, remember watching it or where I was in 90. I was 12 then. No, so. neither do I, but the actual <laughs> race itself. You know, it was absolutely magnificent. So I can't believe we're coming up to almost to, to almost 25 years, effectively. Just before we finish up, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Everest is marketed this week as well because we obviously had the whole Opera House controversy a couple of years ago. I don't know what they're doing for the barrier draw this year. Yeah. They uh, keep they us in suspense. Drone shows and Opera yeah. House and... I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I it's usually so. in the lay bin, the carry-on, <laughs> to be honest. But... I like the carry-on. You've got to market it to a new generation, a new demographic, and in fairness to Peter Volandis, he's done that pretty well with the Everest. We'll take a break. We'll chat with Bryce McGain shortly to discuss the Cricket World Cup and, of course, all that's happening in the Sheffield Shields. There's a lot happening domestically and also internationally. And later on, we'll touch on both Bathurst and the F1s. Oscar Piastri. What a performance yesterday. We'll so. go through some markets, Premier League market as well. We can touch on. There's so much happening in the world of sport, mate. No we saw doubt some about big that. betting moves yesterday as well. We can touch on after the news demo. Um, some big firmers, some long odd winners as well. Absolutely. We'll take a break. Back with more on the Bet Fair Edge right after the news. Be 
Craig. Welcome back to the Sunday Betfair Edge. You can find better odds on the Cricket World Cup at Betfair. Chances are you're about to lose. Damien Watson joined by Tommy Haylock. And Tommy, it's an opportunity now to discuss all things cricket. And there's a lot happening in the World Cup, of course, the ODI World Cup, which is on overseas at the moment. A lot happening domestically as well. We have, of course, the Sheffield Shield, the Marsh One Day Cup, and the Aussie women are in action against the West Indies. I don't know if you caught Hayley Matthews' effort during the week. Unbelievable. Well, seven best on grounds, player of the match awards in seven consecutive T20 internationals. Outstanding. She's a superstar. Yes. She could get a game for the men's. Yeah, well, she's going well. The Windies at the moment aren't going well. They're three for 27. So that's, of course, in the one-day format. But it'll be interesting to see how the Aussies go, of course. And no Hayley Matthews name. She's out today. So, unfortunately, that's going to be a big blow for the West Indies. Joining us on the line, former Australian and Victorian spinner Bryce McGain. Bryce, big welcome to you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Very good morning to you, Damo and Tommy. And, uh, well, the World Cup, if I can point our direction there, has been started unbelievably well. Some highlights. I'm still basking in the glory it's a little bit sad when uh, after the Ashes you, you look at uh, England's demise, but I was very pleased with our uh, trans-Tasman partners, uh, the Anzacs, to get yes. the job done over them a few nights ago. But there's been some other highlights since then as well. Yeah, nine-wicket victory for New Zealand, obviously. What disappointed me, though, Bryce, I mentioned it before, was the crowd. It was a case of spot the spectator effectively. Now, I know that Tommy made the argument before they probably should have the host nation hosting the first game of the tournament, but... Given it's a cricket-loving nation, were you surprised at the fact that there was very little in attendance there? Yeah, it probably goes to show that uh, if it, if it's India are playing, there'll be packed houses wherever they go, wherever they go, and we'll find out tonight against Australia. Australia have an enormous following there as well. The Indians love seeing them play, but uh, maybe there's not quite the appetite for England and New Zealand just yet. I'm sure towards the back end of the tournament, it'll get a bit more exciting and. The locals would be keen to see some quality cricket as it uh, has a bit more meaning uh, later in the tournament. Bryce, Tom Haylock here. Great to have you on. Now, obviously, we, we talk about New Zealand 20 by 9 wickets. Do you reckon Will Young gets out for a golden, walks off and says how hard the pitch is? <laughs> <laughs> Good call, Tommy. Unfortunately, it was a strangle down league side. For, and anyone <laughs> who has played cricket, it's the worst way to go out. A loose ball down league side would have been a wide. He just uh, glanced it through to... <laughs> to uh, Josh Butler and the, the, the job was done. He was out for a golden first ball, the second over. And then, well, it was, it was Conway and uh, an absolute star coming through as well in uh, Jaranda who um, just peeled it off um, hundreds and uh, got the job done. But yeah, I reckon he had every right to say, oh, look out boys, there's plenty happening out there. Speaking of hundreds, we saw three hundreds from <laughs> South Africa last night, including a 49 ball World Cup record overnight. Um, I want to get your opinion on South Africa. Obviously, they've made their case for the World Cup final, but India, about that $3 mark for the winner. Australia affirmed from five into $5.70. Bryce, South Africa are big firmers as well, into $6.80. And England, the drifters on the back of their first victory. Um, South Africa have got to be some sort of chance here, but uh, who wins the World Cup? Oh, boy. Um, we've packed a lot in there, Tommy. Uh, who, who wins it? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'll hold that. I'll reserve that judgment. But hard to look past India on the home ground. But the pressure of everything that they will have playing at, uh, at nine different venues, it's going to be a hectic schedule that they follow. And the pressure of the whole nation on them. Um, it, they don't have to win every game to win the World Cup. And uh, the format of it this time has been the round robin of all teams playing everyone. Um, it sets up for, you know, a good, exciting 
um, part before you get to the finals. So India, I really like Australia's, and I'll delve into that, why that why I think Australia are a good chance. Um, the other part, South Africa, in terms of their run making, that's credit to Australia. We've warmed them up beautifully by going out there. <laughs> and uh, so credit to Australia um, and scoring over 400. Uh, it's going to happen a few times in this World Cup. And I was questioned uh, just during the week um, with another one of our SEN hosts uh, around the nation who said, is it possible that we can, we can see a total over 500 in a one-day game? I think it's possible mm. and probable. Uh, given the conditions in India, these wickets are absolute batting paradises. The outfield is lightning fast and the grounds are pretty small. So if a couple of players get on a heater, it could be unstoppable. So, And particularly against some of the, the lesser attacks mm. that they may not be able to stop the bleeding. So maybe that's a, a bold prediction for the rest of the tournament. We might see a total we over might have, 500. Might have to get a market up on betfair.com.au. <laughs> Team to score 500 in the World Cup. There you go. <laughs> We'd be the strangest of all time. Yeah, South Africa, stark contrast, isn't it, to Bryce? 20 years ago in the World Cup, there was that Duckworth-Lewis little muck-up for them and that knocked them out of the World Cup against Sri Lanka when the rain came and... This time round, 20 years later in the same tournament, 5 for 428, they register and they win by 102 runs over the same opponent. You mentioned the Aussies, Bryce. How do you think they'll fare against the Indians? Yeah, I think uh, against the Indians, look, it's it's nearly a flip of the coin. India would go in as favourites. Australia just slide outsiders. But uh, look, I'm 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 really pleased with the way they've prepared. Um, a little bit of soreness to Adam Zampa. That's a bit of a, a blow. He'll be right to play. They've got a few players t- that are touch and go. The biggest blow in terms of our injury concerns, I think at this stage, has been Travis Head. He's a huge blow mm. in one-day cricket for Australia. He's critically important. Good to see Steve Smith feeling that he's overcome that wrist injury that hampered his whole ashes. So he's over that. And Stoinis has got a bit of a niggle as well. He won't be up for this first game. But um, the, the injuries aside, I, I really like the way that they've been able to play. They've... Uh, they've Evolved even further, and I'm talking of Marnus Labuschagne, who um, his first foray into the one-day game. You know, he was striking about 75 and tapping the ball round and chewing up a lot of dot balls. He doesn't do that now. He had to evolve his game, and that was under some guidance from Coach Andrew McDonald that said, "We don't need that. We need you to be able to hit boundaries and get up the other end. So more drop and run, more hit singles, and what he's found by just doing that dropping and singles and rotating the strike." It's that these boundary balls are just coming for him. And um, it's a great formula for him to learn, and for others out there, I suppose, who are playing cricket all around their nation, is the fact that that's what happens. And he's found it at the top level. So his form has been really, really good. He'll cover for Travis Head. Travis Head should be available for the last four games. But he's an important cog now, and he is striking up around 100, and he's got some acceleration too in his innings. But that's been an important development. But I really like the, our top order. I like um, the way that Dave Warner um, knows the conditions there inside and out I like, and his experience in India and uh, from the top of the order. It's going to be an, a new ball game a lot. And uh, obviously at the top of the order with him will be Mitch Marsh, who's been in terrific form as well. So I think we've got it covered all at the top where we can attack the new ball. And then we've got this terrific firepower and um, obviously not to underestimate the, the value of a Glenn Maxwell as well, that, that sort of power hitting, but 360-degree hitting, and the knowledge of Indian conditions as well. So I, I think Australia are primed. They're bowling attack the three quicks. That's what we'll leverage, and, uh, and they've all proven to be highly successful in India and simply just bowling their best ball with a change of pace. And 
I think we shape up really strongly for this tournament. We're coming in with some mixed form. Obviously, we lost five um, ODIs in a row, but the Australia two dollars fifty odd on betfair.com.au. I just want to get your opinion on the makeup of the, the final team. We've uh, chopped and changed our lineup a lot in the lead up. Two quicks and a lot of all rounders, or are we going in with the three quicks um, for most of the series? No, Tommy, I reckon we'll go with the three quicks. Uh, it'll be Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood. Um, new ball, old ball skill, middle overs, strike weapon um, uh, with, with all of them. They can be all adaptable at, at the big push time. Um, they're very flexible. They've got all bases covered. So, look, I think that's where they, they will go. They'll leverage our strength. Um, they have mixed it around. You're right. And uh, it, that's just through personnel and finding things out. I like that they found out that Marcus Stoinis in South African conditions is really good opening the bowling getting the ball to swing and, and do those types of things and then good at closing out the innings as well. So they've adapted, they've found more, um, but I think it will be leveraging around the three quicks. It'll definitely be Adam Zampa, who's um, at the top end of the, the best spinners in one-day cricket, white ball cricket, really, T20 as well. So he'll get that opportunity. He had an expensive um, outing uh, in South Africa, but he'll he'll be good to go and it's important um that he's uh, firing well. And Glenn Maxwell, don't underestimate the value of his off-spin as well and experience. So he's a complete package. Hopefully that uh, that leg break and um, the little uh, setback that he had recently, hopefully that is all clear um, and, and he can continue to perform at 100%. But I, I like the way it can work out. And then you've got Mitch Marsh to, to, to bowl some overs if they need to, if they need to go to those sort of all-round capabilities. But... Uh, I, I, I like the attack. Um, you've got to back your strength, and it's definitely the three quicks. Former Australian and Victorian spinner Bryce McGain joining us. Bryce, just quickly before we let you go, the Sheffield Shield, of course, on at the moment. Were you disappointed in South Australia, particularly given Tasmania? They obviously got the victory, Tasmania, in the Shield match by seven wickets, and they're on top of the Marsh One Day Cup as well. But Tasmania had a multitude of absences. Riley Meredith, Billy Stanlake, Nathan Ellis, Tim Ward, Jake Doran with split webbing, and, of course, Peter Siddle and Jackson Bird have left there as well. And they still beat the South Australians quite convincingly. That mustn't all go well for the Redbacks, I would have thought. Yeah, it's interesting, South Australia. They, they would have been um, all exuberant and excited with their day one performance. They've got a score over 300. Yeah. Now, Tasmania do let up a lot of scores over 300 in Shield cricket. It, it could be costly as we go through the season once again for them. And as you say, with the players they had have out of the team in Bird and Siddle, um, they were still letting up 300 uh, run scores in first innings last year. So th- that's a bit of an Achilles heel for them. But I, I think South Australia at times, when they're on top, they... Uh, they forget to keep applying the mm. pressure. Or maybe they don't forget it. They they tend to just release it. So they scored, um, they were flying along. They scored their 300 off 60-odd overs. And so they were playing their own version of baseball, maybe a biz ball for Vicky um, <laughs> Gillespie. But, um, and then they just let it go a bit. They, they, they Again, the, the valve just releases and um, Tasmania just ground their way back into the game and ended up um, winning. So, Look, I guess they're teams that are evolving. They're teams that are learning. Um, and, you know, they, they haven't had a lot of winning over recent years. So it, it's um, it, it's part of the evolution, and particularly South Australia. that They've, they've struggled in, in recent times in the Shield. And, uh, and it's another um, not yet. Um, it's a learning opportunity for them. But they, they should have, after that great start, been able to consolidate. And I would have expected to see a lot more growth in the way that they go about their Shield cricket. 
And the VIX went down to WA as well. Just quickly, Bryce, last one. The West Indies, four for 30 at the moment in the women's ODI against Australia. But how good was Hayley Matthews during the week? Oh. And Phoebe Litchfield as well, 52 off 19 deliveries. She's still so young and plenty of scope for improvement there as well. Matthews is absolutely outstanding for the West Indies. Um, unfortunately, not playing this game. You did yep. say that at the start, um, which is a bit of a blow for the game because uh, it's kind of um, all in on Matthews or, or not really in, in Australia right on top at the moment as that game continues on. Um, Phoebe Litchfield, we saw her as a 16-year-old in the in the WBBL. Yep. And, uh, you know, she's just blossomed now into a, a terrific international player, the, the young left-hander. She, she's a, a real star of the game. A great bubbly personality and energetic the way she plays, always with a smile on her face, but so steely determined underneath all that as well. So she's exactly what Australia needs, and she's showing that she's international ready at such a young age. Yeah, very down to earth from Orange, of course, in New South Wales. Bryce, we really appreciate your time on this Sunday morning, mate. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and enjoy the cricket as well. Always great to catch up with you, Damo and Tommy. Have a ripper afternoon. Good stuff. Bryce McGain joining us here. Great to hear that insight there, Tommy, as always with Bryce. Very, very generous with his time. Oh, fantastic to hear from him. I wonder how much sleep he's getting over the next couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> a lot of cricket on, so um, light the ashes again. It's been a big year for cricket followers. Absolutely. Day and night. We'll cover Bathurst, the F1s after this, and plenty of sports talk on the Sunday Betfair Edge. Betfair is on your side this spring. Chances are you're about to lose. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday morning. Dobia Watson joined by Tommy Haylock for the Sunday Betfair Edge. Betfair is on your side this spring. Chances are you're about to lose. What about some of the fluctuations yesterday with the racing, Tommy? Was there anything significant? Oh, betfair.com.au, we saw some massive firmers, some big drifters, uh, huge in-play winners as well, Damo, throughout the day. Race for Eagle Farm, Damo. Champagne Bender opened at $6.40. He found himself in a bit of bother, this mm. horse, and ballooned out to a remarkable $790 in play and got the chocolates. So, unbelievable win by Champagne Bender. Murray Bridge, shortly after, Jay Wick's turn started $247, bet fair, and, and won. He got out to $530. Um, unbelievable. So, uh, crazy, crazy prices there. there. Um, we saw... Tamerlane firm considerably. We saw Magic Time. Um, God bless her. She's a, a very nice <laughs> horse. She uh, won for me. They were my two best bets in the market. Absolutely loved them at Betfair. So Magic Time, $3.25 and a $2.14. Uh, won race nine at Rose Hill. And Tamerlane back from $3.05 and a $2.08 and led throughout there. So um, some big movers and drifters. In the two-year-old race as well, we saw Blue Illusion. Out the gate, two dollars eighteen. Even money at corporates throughout the week. Got into a dollar ninety at corporates. Um, got out to about three dollars sixty yeah. um, before the jump and was legless. And bodyguard uh, paraded really nicely and um, was very well backed and won well. So a lot happening on the exchange yesterday. And it's a piece of advice out there: just watch the betting on on Betfair. It's you get a great insight. You see what um, people are doing. You can see how much people are staking in real time. And it is the market demo. So. Yeah. Um, you can gain a lot of insights just by watching the market. Correct. That's the way I tend to play it as well. Now, to racing of a different kind, just quickly, a massive 24 hours in Australia motorsport. We've got Bathurst, obviously, today. But Oscar Piastri winning his maiden F1 race, claiming victory in the sprint race ahead of the Qatar Grand Prix. I think he's the first rookie to claim victory in that sort of fashion in 15 years in the Formula One competition. And Max Verstappen effectively clinching his third straight world championship. So... 
couple of big achievements there. He's out-qualified um, Norris on a few occasions now. I think it's four or five. Mm. Um, did it in the main event, and he actually qualified third, but his lap time got disqualified. So did Lando's. Um, Max Verstappen, world on three uh, championships in a row. He claimed that with the sprint race. But for Piastri to do that, his 17th Grand Prix to finish pole for the sprint and win the sprint. Uh, he went on the medium tyres, which was um, beneficial. George Russell overtook him in the sprint. And then Piastri's tyres outlasted uh, and were too strong late. And he got the, the chocolates there over Russell and um, went on to victory. So Piastri, I absolutely love him. He's a star. And on a day that um, Max Verstappen won a third championship, we might have seen a future championship winner yes. in Piastri, which is exciting for all Australian Grand Prix fans. Only 22 years of age as well. So plenty of scope for improvement and plenty of experience to gain as well. And Bathurst underway, the Bathurst 1000. And obviously a lot of excitement there. You got to watch it. Throughout the day? Uh, probably not, Damo. No, <laughs> not a huge... I like, my, I like my F1s, but not a huge um, Bathurst 1000 fan. I used to love watching it as a kid back in the day, spending your Sunday, if it was wet outside in particular, where I am in Melbourne. Uh, that's what I do on a Sunday probably when the Bathurst Probably prefer to be on. tuning into SEN track yes. and watching the ponies. Yeah, we got the supercars at SEN as well. Brody Kostecki, of course, started from pole, but a couple of big moves at Bathurst so far, and obviously interesting to see how it fluctuates throughout the day. Will Brown already 11 spots up to sixth from where he was at the start of the race. He's gained a lot of ground. Tommy, really appreciate your time once again. Been a good show, mate. Thank you. Good yeah, luck. Covered a lot of territory across a variety of sports so, as well. Never a dull moment. No doubt about that. Across the markets, we have Bathurst coverage on our SEN stations and, of course, SEN track with Cam Luke, Tags, and maybe an appearance from Miles as well.